October 18th. And now let's turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. And our reading today will be in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. We'll learn that being a leader of God's people is a serious task. And no one should accept an office who's not qualified and willing to use that office to help the church. We'll read about watching. You know, the title bishop means overseer and describes the work of the elder. It's all outlined in the book of Acts, chapter 20. God's people are like sheep. They need shepherds to watch over them, protect them, and lead them. Pray for your spiritual leaders, that they might more and more be what God wants them to be. We'll read about uh, working. The word deacon means servant. The deacons assist the elders in carrying out the work of the church. As with the elders, the deacons should be qualified spiritually and set the right example in their homes. And we'll read about worshiping. You know, the church is much more than a group of like-minded people who assemble from time to time. No, the living God is in their midst, and the truth of God has been deposited with them. They worship the Son of God, who alone is worthy of praise. Yes, it is a serious thing to be part of a local church. Well, let me ask you, do you take it seriously? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 18th, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-16 through 16. It is a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility. For an elder must be a man whose life cannot be spoken against. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exhibit self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, peace-loving, and not one who loves money. He must manage his own family well, with children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new Christian, because he might be proud of being chosen so soon, and the devil will use that pride to make him fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not fall into the devil's trap and be disgraced. In the same way, deacons must be people who are respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers and must not be greedy for money. They must be committed to the revealed truths of the Christian faith and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, they should be given other responsibilities in the church as a test of their character and ability. If they do well, then they may serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not speak evil of others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I can't come for a while, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God.
which is the pillar and support of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ appeared in the flesh and was shown to be righteous by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and was announced to the nations. He was believed on in the world and was taken up into heaven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, there's the first thing, God is great in mercy. If you wondered, is God merciful? The answer is, he is great in mercy. So Peter's heart feels the mercy and he bursts out, blessed are you, God, for your mercy is great who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And so the second reality that bursts out of his heart, having been perceived by his mind, is he caused me and these saints and you who are born of God, he caused you to be born again unto hope that is alive. Once you had no life and now you have life, which is hope indeed. And when he grips the fact, and the fact grips him, that he was born not of his own strength, but by God, he blesses God. Blessed is the God and Father who caused me to be born again. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's the third reality, that he feels God raised Jesus from the dead and triumphed over death and opened the doorway into immortality so that my hope can be living forever and ever and ever. And he blesses God that God raised Jesus from the dead. He caused him to be born again, us to be born again, to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. There's the fourth thing that makes him leap with blessing to God. If he fathered me, he's my father. If he begat me, he's my father. If he caused me to be born, he's my father. And children don't give inheritances to their father Fathers give inheritances to their children. We are the receivers. He's the giver. We have an inheritance now because we've been born into his family in heaven forever and ever. And when Peter sees that, when he feels that, he releases it and says, Blessed be God who gave me and promised me an inheritance. And finally, number five, an inheritance reserved or literally Kept in heaven for you. Who's keeping it? Who's keeping it for you? So that it won't be defiled. So that it won't perish. So that it won't fade. Who's keeping it? Who has that kind of power to keep your inheritance so that it is there, perfect, satisfying, forever and ever, and will never fade and never die and never perish? And the answer is God. And therefore, Peter feels that and he says, blessed be God. So here they are. God is great in mercy. 
God causes us to be born again to a living hope. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God promises us an inheritance and God keeps that inheritance so that it will never perish or fade or be defiled in any way. And therefore, blessed be God. Blessed be God. So do you, do you, do you see where it's coming from? The five realities, glorious Infinitely valuable realities have been perceived by Peter's mind, felt in his heart, and now they are coming out in worship. Blessed be the God and Father. That's the meaning of worship. That's what we do here morning and evening. I am targeting your heart through your mind that your worship might be released through your mouth. Psalm 88 Verses 1 through 18. Now this is one of the few psalms that does not end on a note of glorious victory. When Heman wrote it, he was suffering greatly. But God had not given him relief. But he kept on praying and trusting God. The next time you want to say, Nobody knows how I feel, take time to read this psalm. How did Heman feel? Well, he like a dead man buried in a dark pit, as we shall see. He felt like a drowning man, sinking under cold waves and billows. He felt like a defiled man, watching everybody run away and leave him alone. Most of all, he felt like a doomed man, whom God had forsaken. But Heman did not give up. No, instead he looked by faith to God, the God of wonders, the God of loving kindness and faithfulness. He cried out to God and told him just how he felt. Now your feelings may change. But my friend, God never changes. The final verses of your psalm have not been written yet, but God knows what they are. So wait for Him, because they're worth waiting for. Psalm 88, verses 1 through 18. Of the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah, to be sung to the tune, The Suffering of Affliction, a psalm of Heman, the Ezraite, a song. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out to you day and night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles, and death draws near. I have been dismissed as one who is dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have abandoned me to death, and I am as good as dead. I am forgotten cut off from your care. You have thrust me down to the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger lies heavy on me. Wave after wave engulfs me. You have caused my friends to loathe me. You have sent them all away. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day, I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my pleading hands to you for mercy. Of what use to the dead are your miracles? Do the dead get up and praise you? In those in the grave declare your unfailing love. In the place of destruction can they proclaim your faithfulness? In the darkness speak of your miracles. Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, 
I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face away from me? I have been sickly and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have cut me off. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have encircled me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Only darkness remains. Proverbs 25, verses 20-22 Singing cheerful songs to a person whose heart is heavy is as bad as stealing someone's jacket in cold weather or rubbing salt in a wound. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals on their heads, and the Lord will reward you.